you know, I grew up in the Chicago area, and uh, so I, I know what cold weather is like. I went to school in Minnesota, and uh, that's all good. But last 27 years, I lived in Southern California in the Los Angeles area, pastored two different churches there. And uh, today, as I was driving in, I was hit by the beauty of winter. Uh, I don't know if, you know, when you live with it, sometimes you don't see it. But when I came in, uh, the frost on the grass and in the fields was just beautiful to me. The frozen pond uh, I drove by, uh, the, you know, just seeing the horses outside and all the different things, just the beauty of this time of year. Um, I thank God again for bringing me here. And I, I just want to say uh, I'm just so grateful for you people who have been so gracious and have made me feel welcome here time and time again. So thank you. You are my best Christmas gift. The uh, Dr. William uh, Simpson lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. He told a story from their family life, and it was about his, uh, his wife's brother-in-law. And he was going in the, the military during the Vietnam War, and before he went, he got a little dog uh, for the family that they named Tiger. And, uh, and as he went over to Vietnam, he was captured, was put into a North Vietnamese prison camp for six and a half years. Finally uh, came home from that in great time of rejoicing with the family. And he was so thrilled to see they still had little Tiger, you know, because he had thought that would be a comfort to his family while he was gone, and it had been. They were in a shopping mall in October, and one of the windows got left open, and something got to the dog, and the dog jumped out the window while they were in shopping, and they came to the car, and the dog was gone. Um, and so it was quite sad, but they were heading into Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of that. And as they went uh, to church on Christmas Eve as a family together, they came out to the car... And here, sitting by the door of the car, laying on the ground, was Tiger. And he said that it was the best Christmas ever because of the unanticipated, unexpected thing that God had done. And God is always doing unexpected, wonderful things. As we begin today... Uh, we still have a lot of people in the church. How many of you know somebody in town here who's sick right now? Raise your hand. Yeah? I just want to pray about that right now. And Lord, we know that even today, some of our worship people couldn't uh, show up, and we know it affects a lot of things in life in the church. So we just pray, Lord, for health and strength. We know that some, for some reason, the, the, the strain of what's going around just seems to last a long time. I pray, Lord, for health and healing. Watch over your sheep, Lord Jesus. Care for this flock and bring health and healing. And reach out right now, I pray, and help those who aren't able to be with us today because of that. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to talk about Mary today. Uh, when, when you, again, when you grow up in Chicago, uh, you know, Chicago has a huge Catholic population. I, I thought when I was growing up that everybody in the world was Catholic, you know. But you're not just Catholic, you're Irish Catholic, you're Italian Catholic, you know, your, your ethnicity and your religion kind of go together. And uh, because of that, it seemed like half the girls in school were named Mary, you know, because it was such a, a way to honor 
uh, Jesus' mother. And, and uh, in their theology, the queen of heaven, uh, it was difficult growing up in the place I did in our, our Bap little Baptist church that a lot of times it was almost like we, we would, because of that deification of Mary, we would kind of relegate her down a little bit. And yet Mary, uh, let's not forget, friends, was chosen by God to, be, to bring Christ into this world. The, in my opinion, the greatest physical human being woman who ever lived was Mary and was selected by God for this great role. In Luke 1, it tells us in verse 26, if you have your Bible, you can open it to Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Significant facts. Elizabeth's pregnant. Gabriel is an angel who comes. Uh, by the way, in the Bible, when Gabriel comes, if an angel ever appears to you, ask what his name is, okay? They, the Bible says they look like men, so just say, what's your name? If it's Gabriel, you're okay, you know, uh, because he brings good news. And he comes and he brings this good news to her. He comes to a, a village, uh, to the city of Nazareth, a village within uh, uh, Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, it, it, it's funny, you know, a virgin. I'm not people, I'm not sure people went around town saying, oh, good morning, Virgin Mary. Nice to see you today, you know. I'm not sure that, but it, it, it's such a big part of the story. And as a theologian, you understand why, it need, why it's significant as to the origin of Christ that she be a virgin. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So he comes from a great bloodline. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. When I was in college, if you got a letter from the government that said greetings, you knew you were getting drafted. It was not a good letter. But here it's greetings, favored woman. Uh, the Lord is with you. But that word favored here, the, the, the Greek word that we have, uh, go forward one, is... is uh, Actually, grace. Uh, the word favored actually means uh, is charis or grace. Right from the beginning, Gabriel says to her, uh, greetings to you, woman who has been touched by grace, who is encircled by grace, woman who is to be blessed. Uh, and and he, she says, the Lord is with you. Now, verse 29, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now, as if it wasn't enough just to have an angel appear to you or speak to you, uh, the, the words the angel was speaking, she was trying to figure out, what are you saying to me that God has blessed me? What do you mean that I am, you know, a, a favored by God? And the angel says what, throughout the Bible, I think every time an angel appears, somewhere they say this, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her. For God has decided to bless you. So he starts off greeting you blessed woman, you gracious woman. God is with you because God has decided to bless you. Uh, stop there for a minute. Let's think about her whole life for just a minute. She was blessed. Uh, you remember when she and her brothers and the sons of Jesus came to take him away because they thought he was crazy? Do you remember uh, what it was like for her to follow around and to 
be with him and to see the way that people treated him? Do you think it was, uh, it was easy for her uh, as he was prepared for the cross, dragging that cross through the streets of Jerusalem? You think it was easy for her to stand at the foot of the cross? The, the blessings of God at times are difficult. Don't ever think that God's blessings are always sunny days and clear skies and just everything in life just going hunky-dory. It just doesn't work that way in reality. Paul was very specific that as followers of Jesus, we all bear the sufferings of Christ. And the blessing of God to her was not necessarily that everything was always going to be easy to be her. But he goes on, 31, verse 31, you will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Jesus means God is salvation, God is Savior. It's actually, Jesus is a Latin word. Nobody ever called him Jesus. Uh, they called him Yeshua. That was his name, uh, same as Joshua would, would have been. And it means God is salvation. Um, he will be very great will be called the Son of the Most High, one of the names of God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Now I'm thinking if I'm Mary at this point, you're, this sounds pretty good. Wow, yeah, my son is going to take over David's throne? I'm not sure I fully understand that, but I think David had a pretty sweet deal. You know, the king and everything. What's the, what's the symbol on the flag of Israel? Anybody remember? The star of what? You know, David, you know, in their minds, the greatest warrior, greatest writer, greatest poet, greatest lover, greatest everything in so many ways. And it says, you're going you're gonna to inherit his throne and he will reign over Israel forever. Wow. His kingdom will never end. Mary says, you know, can I just ask a question here? I, I'm just kind of stuck on one thing. Uh, how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. Who was the first person to ever question the virgin birth? Mary. Pretty significant, you know. Uh, ladies, you understand that? Uh, how, you understand how it works normally, don't you? If not, talk to me after the service. But the idea here is that how can I have a baby? And the, uh, verse 33, the angel replied, here's an answer. The angel doesn't say, well, just trust God. No, Gabriel explains, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Literally, where it talks about that, where it says uh, in the middle there, the last line of the yellow, he will overshadow you, means the Holy Spirit is going to come and just, you're going to kind of be enveloped by something. It's... It, it's uh, it's not going to be like Rosemary's baby or some weird thing, you know? You're going to kind of be in this quiet kind of trance, I guess. Uh, was she conscious or not? I don't know. I think probably not. But she was going to be enveloped as the power of God came over her. It says, and the baby born to you will be holy. Go forward one and will be called uh, the son of God. That just can't happen if it would be a normal birth in the normal way. It had to be different. It had to be unique. Well, uh, 
Mary, the best research is saying that, that usually women at her age, she was already engaged to be married. She was actually uh, betrothed or uh, in, in her culture where she was in her, in her life, if, if uh, Joseph was, she was engaged to, if Joseph had died, she would have been considered a widow for the rest of her life because the commitment that was so strong between the families that had made this commitment between for Joseph and Mary to be husband and wife together. And so uh, as, they're, as they're living in this relationship, it couldn't be a normal human thing like it you know, possibly could have been or something as other people would think who don't believe in the virgin birth. But it has to be the power of God so that this child can be who Jesus Christ was, fully human and yet fully divine in ways we can't understand. Here's some proof for her. Gabriel says, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant. The story started that Elizabeth was in her sixth month in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month. I love the tenderness here of God to give her some proof. Uh, you know your relative Mary? Uh, your Aunt Mary? I mean, your Aunt Elizabeth? You know, uh, people said she could never have children. She was barren, unable to bear children. Guess what? She's in her pregnant six months of pregnancy right now. Uh, and in essence, it's a bit of a proof for her that God has a capability to do something unique. And then uh, this great verse, 37. Would you read these words with me? Read it together. Ready? For nothing is impossible with God. Who said that? Did Mary say that? No. Who said it? Gabriel. An angel who has lived in eternity in the presence of God. An angel who knew God better than will ever in this world know God. Said to her, Mary, there's one thing about God you got to understand. Nothing is impossible with him. You know what the hardest thing is when you're praying about stuff? Just to believe it could actually happen. If, if you have a confidence to believe that God can do what God can do, it can be transformational in your life because most people are so bound up in their consciousness that they can't really even believe that something could happen. Remember how I told you about how that dog came back and it was such a great joy because it was so unexpected that here you go out of your Christmas Eve service and there's your little dog that's been gone for two months sitting right by your car and the great joy, the yelps from the dog as everybody in the family gets licked and everybody's just happy as could be. Unexpected things that God does. He doesn't do it like we would do it. He doesn't do it like we would maybe ask him to do it. Mary responded, verse 38, in a beautiful way. I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left. Come on, ladies. If this was you, would you be able to say that? Oh, yeah, sure, good. Hey, whatever you're going to do, just do it. 
What is the name you call a child who is born out of wedlock? Is it a nice name? What does it mean for a girl to have a pregnancy before she's married? Some of you have been through that. It's a, it's a, a difficult, shaming time in life that's difficult to cope with. And yet she says, you know what? I serve God. I accept whatever he wants. Brothers and sisters, can you say that? Can you honestly say that? God, whatever you want. Literally, one of the translations says, Mary says, body and soul, I'm yours. God, body and soul, I'm yours. You do whatever you have to do with me. And the angel left her. Well, she goes on to uh, see Elizabeth, and uh, Franco Zeffirelli tried to show us a little bit what that might have looked like, and I'm going to show you a quick clip here. What a day that must have been as these two women come together as family to celebrate what God has done. There's a book uh, one of my friends, Bob Marsh, uh, just wrote called Mary Didn't Know. And the idea of the book is that uh, she had no idea what God's blessing was going to look like in her life. And he says in the book, she didn't know what lay ahead. I marvel at the faith of this teenage girl and her lifelong faith through unimaginably difficult days. In her world, a girl would get married at 15 or 16. So the fact that she's engaged probably puts her around that time. And it followed her all of her life. In John 8, 41, John explains to us, uh, as the Jewish leaders said to Jesus, we are not illegitimate children. They protested and said, we are children of Abraham. Now, why at the age of 30 would they still be bringing that up with Jesus? That in terms of the eyes of a human being, in earthly eyes, it just looked like he was an illegitimate child. Uh, she had to live with that stigma. Part of God's blessing involves some pain. In Luke 2, uh, they go to the temple to present Jesus, and there's a man named Simeon who lived there, a righteous man, very devout, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He eagerly expected the Messiah to come and rescue Israel, and the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, uh, the Spirit led him to the temple so that when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, firstborn son had to be presented in the temple. 28, uh, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Lord, now I can die in peace as you promised me. I have seen the Savior. Look at these key words. I have seen the Savior. You have given, it's a gift, to all people. Savior, gift, everyone. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and Mary were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. And then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, this child will be rejected by many in Israel. 
here's this wonderful, beautiful scene of blessing and honoring God and everything. And all of a sudden, oh, he says, says, by the way, a lot of people are really going to hate your kid. But he says, but many, uh, but that will be their undoing, but he will be the greatest joy to many others. Why do we sing joy to the world? Because that's what he is. Thus, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Not only is he going to have a hard life, but you know what? You're going you're to get hit pretty hard here. I guess his prophecy, in essence, is trying to prepare her in some way, shape, or form for what lies ahead. Go forward now, 12 years later, Jesus is escaped from his parents for a few days, and he's in the temple confounding the spiritual leaders of Israel with his wisdom at 12 years old. And then they come and get him, and he returned to Nazareth with them, was obedient to them. What was he like as a child? Obedient. Let's bring all those kids back in here a minute. What was he like? See, Jesus obeyed his parents. You know, Jesus honored his parents. You got that? You know, you know, you just live how you want to live. But Jesus honored his, you know. Uh, And his mother stored all these things in her heart. So Jesus grew both in height and in wisdom. Evidently, he wasn't short. And he was loved by God and by all who knew him. Was he a pain in the neck in school? Was he a smart aleck? Was he a holier than thou? Was he? It says that in that town where they lived, in Nazareth, it says everybody in the city loved the carpenter's son. They loved him. All who knew him loved him. Well, let's go to 30 years of age. The next day, Jesus' mother was a guest. He's with Mary again at a wedding celebration in the village of Canaan, Galilee. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother spoke to him about the problem. They have no more wine, she told him. I think it was probably part of her extended family in some way. If you've, if you've been to the Holy Land, you know that Cana and Nazareth are just, you know, Aaron Judge could hit a ball that far. You know, it's not that they're very close together as uh, cities. How does that concern you and me? Verse 4. Jesus asked, My time has not yet come, but his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. The only person in the world who is, Joseph, Joseph has disappeared. We don't know, we all assume he died. And uh, the only person who had known Jesus every day of his life for 30 years, she says one thing to the servants, and it's what I say to you today. Okay? You with me? You got this? 30 years, this is what she learned about Jesus, and it's still true today. Do whatever he tells you. Read it with me. Do whatever he tells you. Oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. Come on. No, it's not. Just do what he tells you to do. It's not that hard. 
It's just hard because you're stubborn. It's just hard because you've got a human nature that fights against it. And because of that, there is a, his first miracle at the wedding of Cain and Galilee because those men did what Jesus told them to do. What can happen in your life if you would just do what he tells you to do? And I wrap up with his John 19 at the foot of the cross. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved. It's the way John talks about himself, humility as he writes this. So it wasn't just the four women. John is there. And he said to her, woman, he is your son. And he said to this disciple, she is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. And I've been to Mary's home in Ephesus where she lived out her life with John, who was the pastor of that church for 40 years. I've seen the place where she lived because John did what Jesus asked you to do. What does his mother know? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You don't got to be a brain surgeon here, friends. And because of it, he honors her and takes her. Again, Bob Marsh we don't always understand the hard paths we're asked to tread. But in Christ, we are blessed. We don't comprehend how lost jobs, illness, unfairness, and even death can be part of God's plan. But walking with him, we are blessed. I'd like to ask you if you would pray this with me as we close. I want you to read it here. Go forward one. Uh, I'm going to say it. I don't want you to read it yet. Lord Jesus, in your mercy and grace, give us the faith to echo the words of Mary. We are your servants. Body and soul, we're yours, Lord. Do to us as you will. Do you think that's a hard prayer to pray? Oh, I think it is. Wasn't easy for Mary. Can you pray that with me as we close? Lord God, in your mercy and grace, give us the faith to echo the words of Mary. We are your servants. Do to us as you will. In the power of your name, Lord Jesus, make it so. Amen.